Welcome to the Human Experience Podcast, the only podcast designed to fuse your left and right brain hemispheres and feed it the most entertaining and mentally engaging topics on the planet. As we approach our ascent, please make sure your frontal, temporal and occipital lobes are in their full upright position. As you take your seat of consciousness, relax your senses and allow us to take you on a journey. We are the Intimate Strangers. Thank you for listening. The human experience is underway. We are diving back into the paranormal with our guest tonight, Mr. Robert Bruce. His book is Practical Psychic Self-Defense. My co-host, Dr. G, is in the studio. Mr. Bruce, welcome back to HXP. It's a pleasure to have you here. Yeah, good to be here, mate. There there were a couple editions. I mean, you 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 revi- did you revise it? You updated the edition of the book. How how did how recently did you do that? I um I completely rewrote the book um, through well I originally did it in about two in the year two thousand I think it was uh, with the first edition and um, <clears throat> it actually came about as a result of an argument I had with my publishers and uh, one of the publishing editors um, who should be nameless. <laughs> uh, took issue with some of the thing, you know, some, some things, things uh, in my first book, Astrodynamics, and we started, and we started talking about psychic self-defense and that. And anyway, the, it ended up with like, like uh, ten-page ten letters going, going backwards, backwards and forwards, forward. and uh, we ended up with about a dozen people, other authors, publishers, and professionals in the uh, the field, quite well-known people sitting in and watching, you know, being CC'd these emails and that. And um, I um, won the argument, um, but right at the end of it, while I was like banging the table saying if I wrote a book like that, it would have this in it and this in it and I'd do it that way and bugger your ideas, you know, they're stupid. And uh, my publisher said, great, we agree with you. Here's a contract. (laughs) I wasn't intending to write it, but they gave me actually gave me a formal contract. So uh, yeah, your your writing style was a lot different. I really enjoyed the animation in in the words that you used. And I, I loved especially how you compared negative entities as a sort of malware and the universe as a sort of operating system. That was really cool. Yeah, that's a pretty pretty effective uh, analogy. Uh, anyway, just to finish that story off quickly. The uh, I rewrote um, Practical Psychic Self-Defense Handbook in about 2011, 2012. I get, did a major rewrite on it. Uh, and because since I first uh, wrote that, my experience and understanding had grown enormously. And I'd come up with a lot of new countermeasures and understandings and protocols and that and that. And, and, so, and so a lot of feedback from people that had the book, ideas and that, how to make the book better. So I applied that and this is where the second edition came from. And it's very slick. We love it. Yeah, you can tell that there there is a different energy to it. With the, I have both versions. I have the first edition and the second. And you can you can tell the difference in the... The, the passion level change. So uh, if we could just get right into it, uh, what do you what do you think the main cause of psychic attack is, Mr. Bruce? 
I don't know about, I suppose it's bad feelings. Or, oh, um, um, but in my experience, um, it's probably being in the wrong place at the wrong time. It's like if you, I mean, if you were saying, what is the main cause of shark attacks worldwide? Right. And it generally comes down to, there's lots of reasons you can apply to, to it, but it comes down a lot to being in the wrong place at the wrong, wrong time. Uh, having the right genetic makeup, the right psychological makeup. And because keep in mind, we're dealing with hereditary uh, spirits as well, coming down through family lines, uh, which were caused by like curses, um, maybe hundreds or even thousands of years ago, and still alive today as they were hundreds of years ago. Um, then of course you get malice uh, from people, you get jealousies, um, for example, a wealthy businessman may have, have enemies. And the enemy go, is a, if the enemy is the type of person that has, has psychic, psychic abilities and broods, uh, a psychic attack can result. Or he may go and hire a black witch or so more magician or witch doctor. Yeah. You would describe these as like almost thought projections or thought constructs that are stuck out in the astral realm and they're just kind of attaching themselves to these other people, so to speak? Well, that, that, that's one scenario. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. So, so how do you distinguish a psychic attack versus just a negative kind of thought or thinking pattern? The symptoms are different. I mean, I, like an anxiety attack, for example, uh, can and often does have physical um, uh, conditions which are well known. For example, uh, some people have like a wheat intolerance uh, because, you know, all, all modern wheat today is genetically engineered, genetically modified. It was done in the 60s using primitive methods. Now, some people are very sensitive to that, and I've worked with a lot of people that have anxiety attack, depression problems, and get them off weak wheat, and all those problems stop. Now, the symptoms are very much like a psychic attack. You could even say, in some cases, like a demonic attack. But, um, yeah, the, I always look for physical causes first. But there's a big variety of different types of entities and different scenarios which can relate to, you know, a person or a family coming under psychic attack. It's not one size fits all. I mean, petty family jealousies and people that just don't like you, um, you know, come into contact with a sociopath, psychic, uh, psychopath that has... has uh, some psychic abilities. That's a bad one. So, Rob, can you kind of like take us through the backdrop of there seems to be a hierarchical element. We described this last time when you were asked on here of, you know, you have these thought projections, you have these negative constructs that are occupying the space. But then on top of that, <clears throat> there seems to be another level where there are entities and there are levels of intelligence. Have you had experience in interacting with these kind of entities or what is you know, what is the engagement they have with humanity? Yes, I've done that. People are more comfortable thinking that, um, um, you know, negative entities, I call them negs or negative entities, uh, which is classes everything from a common negative type thought form that's just annoying up to the higher demonic type attacks, which of course much nastier. But people are more comfortable with them, you know, calling them thought forms. 
Um, they don't like to think of them as being real. But then again, angels and spirit masters and things like that, they're, of course, real, real, real intelligent, intelligent things. But, I mean, yeah, yeah, you're, looking you're looking here at here two here. sides of a coin here, one side being negative and the other side being positive. And they complement each other. And it's like two sides of the magnet, positive and negative. And it is like a balance in the universe between these two um, great forces, these, these, yeah, which we're working, we're working with, with here. here. But, yeah, I've had uh, experience with the higher entities, and that includes angels as well as demons um, and spirit masters and things like that. So on both sides. Could you could you share for our listeners maybe one of your own personal experiences with one of the tougher demons or one of one of some of the tactics that you use to kind of get out one of the more stronger entities that that have affected you? Well, I, I come under attack here um, quite um, quite frequently given the work that I do. Every probably once a month, I'll get some kind of a, you know psychic demonic attack here. What is that? What does that mean exactly? I'm sorry to interrupt, but what is like? How do you sense it? Can you kind of take us through the process also? Yeah, well, it'll often it can happen through Skype. It can happen through email, but often it comes from uh, giving distance healing and help or personal help including uh, healing and exorcism. Um, now, when you're uh, healing somebody, you're trying to release them from something negative. Uh, when you do that, you will often make enemies. And, and the, de the demons and the evil spirits, call them what you like, they are quite jealous, vengeful type vindictive creatures. So if you mess with their territory, with what they are doing, they, of course, will immediately attack you. And that typically starts out as, it's a bit like an anxiety attack. You feel this um, tingling in the energy body, rather unpleasant tingling and heaviness. And you'll, you'll often feel your mind becomes polluted. You'll get all these horrible thoughts in your mind. Um, angry, violent, cannibalistic, sexual, you name it. Icky, nasty stuff will try to get into your mind and of course if you don't have good control of your mind then um you know that that is a big problem so uh, but you also can get uh, cramps and pains in the body you can get them anywhere uh you could double up with stomach cramps get leg cramps uh sudden pain sudden pains that come and go with no apparent reason is a primary symptom like if you get a sudden pain in the shoulder or the back uh, for a minute or two, and then it goes away, and then it comes back. You know the analogy of like a witch sticking a needle into a wax doll? Yeah, like an effigy so, almost? Yeah, like the typical voodoo type thing, you know. That is actually a, a really good uh, example of how it happens. If you have a uh, like a voodoo doll, which is magically connected to a living human being, and if you torture that doll, put it over the fire, stick pins in it, you will, you know, cause uh, enormous problems for the uh, the person that represents. So that so that person that's doing that type of work, that negative work on an individual, say they have like a 
how does how does that work? I mean, what is your understanding of it? Is it just like the concept of prana or the energy is being directed into that individual? What is is it just working on another realm that we can't completely understand? How does that actually that thought form get to become an attack on another individual? Well, there was uh, they uh, in that situation there any magical attack situation they're using the magical law of analogy where you get a doll and you might make it of wax you will get a uh, maybe a photograph of a person you might get a hair sample or a bodily fluid sample which you would incorporate into the doll you would then baptize the doll in the exact exact name of the person you want to attack and um, various rituals to kind of personalize it and then you would um, uh, uh, p- by preparing the the doll, this is similar to any magical attack. You would project like a dark fluid into the um, the doll or the whatever you're using. You could be using a photograph. Various methods for doing this, and you would project like a a, a dark fluid which has um, negative intentions attached to it. And in that case, I mean what. It's exactly the same as giving healing to somebody, energy healing, but it has with the opposite intention. I mean, if you know how to heal somebody to give energy healing, you know already how to to attack somebody because the technique is exactly the same, only the intention is very different. You you mentioned in your book that uh, there, like stress and the lack of sleep can open your aura for and make you more susceptible to attack. Do you find do you find that sleep paralysis and the lack of sleep is a, also a, an indicator of a psychic attack? Yeah, definitely. I mean, sleep is hugely important with uh, if you're ever under psychic attack. I mean, you must get sleep because one of the um, most common number one. Um, goals of any negative entity that is attacking somebody and intending to attack them for a while is sleep deprivation. Now, if you can deprive a human being of sleep for a few days, their mind and their will go to complete mush and all of their natural defenses drop. So you can see why that would be a high priority for a negative negative. entity. Why is that? I advise people that I work with to, I mean, do anything you have to do. I mean, using my countermeasures, which involves, of course, you know, leaving the room, uh, for sleeping in being the car, car, sleeping in another house, go to a hotel. These things don't travel well. And if you go from one room to another or even to another another house or a hotel, you'll often get a break of at least a, a day uh, before it'll come back okay. again. Uh, so that gives you a break. But you must get sleep. Go to your doctor, get some good drugs, whatever it takes. (laughs) You must sleep. You know, absolutely. Otherwise, you will lose the battle. So you also mentioned in your book that, I mean, there's a lot of people talk about how cleanliness is next to godliness. And you say that negative entities kind of attach to garbage and uncleanliness. Why do you, is there a vibration that they're attaching to? I'm not really sure on the exact, I mean, you could call it a vibration, uh, but what you have is, um, let's say you compare a, you know, 
a normal person's room, which is, you know, clean and tidy with fresh sheets and that and smells nice. It's regularly cleaned and vacuumed. Compare that to like a, an older bachelor type. I'm sure we all know somebody like that. <laughs> you know, that hasn't changed his sheets in a year. And, you know, there's rubbish piled up. He hasn't vacuumed the carpet for a few years. And there's like, you know, food stuff, a bit of dog poop dried up in the corner and huge piles of dirty clothes and that. I, I know a man like this and I visited him a while back and he was having attacks and I clairvoyantly swore this thing. Um, and this this man was so bad, if you know, if you know Steptoe and Son, the old TV show in England, but it was like he would open the door to this, this you know, the main bedroom in this house. You could only get the door open halfway because you hit a box. To get into the room, you had to take a very large step over a big pile of books and stuff, and then you have to sort of filter your way through piles of old clothes and things, and it was, it was really good. smelly, and then you get to the bed, which had, you know filthy sheets and stuff. Um, he did change his pillow slips occasionally. Um, <laughs> but the room was smelly, you know, smelled like a dog kennel almost. Now, I saw this entity. It was like a large snake. And this is the very common type of entity. They actually show up in photographs quite often. And you get a snake like a, it's like a, the size of, a, say, a 25-foot anaconda, quite a big snake. And you could see the snake sort of diving through the garbage and under the bed and uh, through the old clothes and that. They seem to be attracted to that sort of um, environment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you talk about some of the core affirmations. I'd like to get into that a little bit. Um, I like them. They're, they, they're, they're good. Uh, I am loved and I am worthy. I am safe and free. I am powerfully protected. I am the master of my body and ruler of my mind. Why do you think these affirmations are so effective? Well, though, in a psychological sense, those are some very, very core needs for any human being. Uh, it's, it's like, like core to be loved, loved and, and worthy, to be, to be powerful. powerful to be safe and to be free. Very, very core needs psychologically. But And the more these are used by people, and I have thousands and thousands of people using them regularly, uh, they have gained, I mean, apart from the source, they were given to me by a master, and the they have accumulated more and more, more power, power than they used. used. Yeah, so, they, yeah, yeah, so they're so growing, growing in power. power. But uh, And that is something simple. It's, I tried to stay away from anything religious. I mean, pick a religion. I mean, they're not uh, trying religious paraphernalia and things like that. The religious approach to psychic attack, it's pretty much like the New Age approach to uh, psychic attack and that involves prayers and angels and visualizations and things like that. And to be quite frankly, it doesn't work. I mean, I've tried those things to death. Now, I'm sure there are priests and that of various religions that have a great deal of faith and that is ingrained in them that can actually have an effect, that can actually do some good with their prayers and rituals. But it is a person. It is not the words and the books itself. The average person picks up a Bible and starts reading prayers and things like that, um, you know, like get behind me, Satan, and things, things like, like that. that. I mean, the entities would just laugh at you. They don't work. 
there's quite a difference there if you get an experienced priest that is like experienced with entities and demons and things like that. Uh, it is the power of that person, the personal power, which makes the uh, prayers and the rituals work. And we're talking magical rituals here. The Catholic Church particularly uses quite a lot of magical rituals in their services. So, so have it's you quite a magical organization in that sense. Have you found any specific symbols that are effective against warding off entities? The pentagram is the probably the most effective, and uh, that is a pentagram that has to be drawn correctly. You must start in the bottom left-hand corner, and you must do it in a clockwise motion, um, because when you start at the bottom left corner, and do it clockwise, that is that banishes the earth element. It's very specific. If wow. you start from another corner, you will be banishing the air element. Uh, if you go in another another direction, you go anti-clockwise, you will be evoking or invoking the earth element. Now, the pentagram banishment works because uh, there is 99.99% uh, of the problem entities in the world are earth element entities. Human beings are earth element beings. We walk on the ground. We are of the earth. And so the entities that trouble us are also earthbound. Now, my research and exploration into that gives new meaning to the earthbound, the, the meaning of earthbound, uh, in that there is a la layer of en energy, very thin, that covers the surface of the earth. Every surface, over, over the oceans, over the land, up trees, up walls of houses, on the roofs, and through the inside walls as well. Every surface is covered with this energy. And this energy is caused by lightning strikes. Now, at any one time, uh, in we have 7,000 lightning strikes per minute hits this planet. That's an average. So what you have here, when, when lightning hits the planet, uh, apart from melting a bit of sand or something, even if it hits the ocean, you know, creates a bit of steam, um, the, a massive amount of electricity floods out instantaneously over the entire surface of the Earth, just above the surface of the ocean, I mean like a millimetre above it, and over the land instantaneously covering the entire planet. So you have a field of energy which has been around for like billions of years, which is like perpetually dissipating. This field is known about scientifically, and it is said that if lightning ceased to strike the Earth for 30 to 60 minutes, this field would dissipate uh, quite quickly. And it is in this field, which is like a separate dimension, which earthbound spirits, you could say earth-type spirits, earthbound spirits, uh, are bound. They are locked into that like another dimension. And you're talking about these are two-dimensional beings. They are like a shadow on the ground that you cannot see. They are capable, most of them, of projecting a three-dimensional shape, like a hologram above them. And when you see an apparition or something like that, they have this shape, which is, you know, incidentally generated through your own body image. Say it's an ex-human being, ghost. Then a person has with them a built-in self-image, 
and you know where your eyes are your sight your viewpoint and that and that it's very much like in the astral dimension the uh, if you have to project there you look exactly as you perceive yourself to be hmm. and it's the same thing with uh, spirits whether they're ghosts uh, demons negative spirits whatever and these uh, my thoughts on this and the protocols I use are quite provable you can demonstrate them but of course you need some kind of an attack to be going on in order to actually prove this because if you have somebody under attack let's say it's a baby six months nine months of age and the baby is rigid and screaming and maybe this has gone on for a couple of days if you take the baby into the back garden if you've got a lawn and you put a garden hose down on the ground and turn the water on so it's gushing water and you walk through that water or over it and you hold the baby so that the, the little baby's feet just brush the water as you cross it the instant you cross that water the baby goes limp stop screaming instantly and it's like the baby just woken up it's goo goo gaga and they usually fall asleep within 10 or 20 seconds because they are exhausted hmm very interesting so yeah you go into this in your book and you you talk about how running water is a pretty effective barrier against these beings so does this correlate back to the electromagnetic connection with the earth and and the grounding that we have with the earth and that layer that atmosphere layer that you were talking about yeah definitely it it goes back to that because um if you force a neck, this is what you're doing. When you put running water gushing along the ground, or even when you jump in a shower, a bathtub doesn't work because the bathtub's insulated unless you have the tap running. And then it's, then it's connected to the water pipe and to the, you know, the dam, wherever the water comes from. It has a good earth there. Um, and also depends on the salt content as well. But you're creating a very strong earth. Now, in my experience, uh, if you can force a negative type entity, even a demon, into contact with a powerful electrical earth, then that demon is instantly demanifested and is sucked back into the planet. Now, the, the planet uh, we, Earth we live on is like, like a, huge a huge electrical, electrical dynamo. It has, it has magnetic, magnetic fields like, like an electric engine. And, and, the, um, and the poles, you'll find the energy moves in, into the planet and out and of the, out planet. the planet. You get this um, um, sort of effect like a donut, donut. Um, um, with energy, energy going, going in. in. And, you know, you've got the aurora borealis and that, which is evidence of that happening. So, um, but in personal experience, when you do it, it's obviously going somewhere. And all you've done maybe is you, let's say, if you want to capture an entity you can capture an entity with a garden hose in various other ways and just by putting a loop of garden hose or maybe a big coil of garden hose next to the tap and you stand on top of that and then you turn the tap on and the entity can't get away because if you have the hose going around the outer circumference of the pile of hose first uh, the water goes through there first and there's no way out and therefore you're standing on the big pile of hose, water's gushing through it, and it will pretty quickly demanifest the entity. 
uh, even if it's fairly, fairly as, as well entrenched in a person. Have, have you experienced this? Have you done this personally before? Or? Yeah, many, many times, yeah. Uh, for myself, I actually, actually that method there for banishing, I actually developed that on the fly. Now, all of the methods I teach in there, I might get some ideas by doing research and talking to people and what they've done, and I always have to try it out in a field situation. And I had a, I was using running water, and this was about while I was halfway through writing, I was actually doing the final editing of the original uh, Psychic Self-Defense. Uh, and my son came down, my yeah, older son, Dan, and, and he um, was having this massive attack. And he arrived here, and that was the day I got a... a, um, um, a the face of a demon burned into my CRT monitor, um, yeah, which I'll, I'll get to in a minute. But the uh, he came down was having a really really rough time, and so uh, you know I was immersed in different countermeasures. So I seized the opportunity, dragged him outside, and I did some pentagram banishment um, using the god names. I banish you in the name of you'd hair, vav hair, etc., etc. And I did that several times, and then I grabbed the hose, walked him over the hose, I hosed his feet down, and he was really in trouble. I mean, he could barely talk and barely stand. And, um, and you know, he was like stone cold sober, but really, really troubled. And uh, then I had the idea, and I got, I, I coiled the garden hose up about 30 yards of hose there, and I grabbed him, and <coughs> using, using my father-like powers, I forced him over the, um, to stand amongst the coils of, of the hose in bare feet, and then I put the hose running and washed his feet, his feet down, down so it's really earthed. And then I did some it's more banishments for good measure uh, because these, I mean, these are life and death situations. You know, if you get it wrong, the person could die. I mean, they could die from the actual attack or they or could they go, go off and drive and headfirst into a truck or kill, kill themselves. themselves. All kinds of bad things can happen. happen. So, uh, and after a couple of minutes, now this had been ongoing for about, at the time, probably 30 minutes, and this is why he came down to see me for help, uh, and after about a few minutes, four or five minutes on the garden hose, he said, I'm feeling okay now, Dad. It, it's okay. It, it's, it's gone. It's gone. And, and he'd had, he'd had, he'd had a, a, a number of attacks like that, and of course, learning that, of course, when he had attacks after that, he would seek large quantities of running water, like a, a water main pipe, uh, and water main pipes line every street in our society. Uh, it'll come down one side of the road or the other, and it's a matter of finding it. And if you're under attack, if you walk across one side from your house, say, and if, if nothing happens, you cross the road and walk to the other side, um, to the far side of other people's you know, where people's other gardens start, you'll cross a water main and you'll know when you do because the problem will stop. So, Mr. Bruce, that is, let of me... of course, there's water running through it because the running water itself seems to generate an energy as well as having a big earthing effect. There seems to be an energy involved with the actual running water. So, let's just... If we could simplify this just for a little bit uh, for our listeners... If if a person finds themselves in a position where they feel like they're being psychically attacked, what is what is the thing that you recommend that they do first? Well, in the front of my book, the Practical Psychic Self Defense Handbook, um, after 
a lot of feedback from users of that book there. I cry, there's a quick start guide. It's the first thing you find. If you're under psychic attack, do this now. Number one, get in the shower. Now, just the act of jumping in your normal shower will stop 99% of demonic attacks, anything. It'll stop it cold. And this is why you'll find uh, many people, when they have like a psychotic break, um, a major anxiety, depression episode, the type where they would need to be hospitalized, uh, they are often found, when they call the ambulance, they're often found in the shower. And they may have been in the shower all night or even for a couple of days because it's they very quickly work it out. Even though they don't have the knowledge which is in my book, the understanding of it that explains it, they know they get in the shower and suddenly they feel okay. The mental pollution's gone, their mind's working okay. All the weirdness is gone, these weird sensations you're getting. And, uh, and then afterwards you step out of the shower and it starts to come back. You know, and you pretty quickly work out that oh, I was okay in the shower, so back, back in the shower again, and you find it stops again. So in a situation like that, I mean, you're often talking about life-threatening attacks here. You feel like you are literally losing your mind, and you may be suffering a lot of pain. You may have difficulty walking with spasms and cramps and tremors, and um, so you get back in the shower and you feel fine, and you can't work it out because no one's ever told you. But once you understand this, when you get under the shower, you make a plan what you're going to do next. Because get under the shower, the attack stops, and they say, what am I going to do? Okay, well, I'll try going uh, another plan. Turn all the overhead lights on. Uh, light some incense, lots and lots of incense. Uh, I mean, if you've got a packet of incense there, light all of them. You know, because normally you need a sensor where you're going to burn some granules to create a lot of smoke for incense. But if you've only got incense sticks, then, then light a dozen at a time. And uh, and that will help. The overhead lights will help. Put some music on. Uh, you can get pots and pans, bang them together, causing percussion, uh, which helps to break up the astral lights, the en energies which the entities are using to manifest. And there's lots of things, depending on the situation, and combinations, combinations of these countermeasures um, work, work, and different combinations work in different situations. So, Mr. Bruce, do you, do you think that these, these methods are simply treating the symptoms in a way it, it was there, is there has there been a point for you personally where you've seen these psychic attacks stop completely is there like a disconnect that you've had to make with certain entities i have done that and i've experienced it myself yes uh, including major demonic attack on myself many years ago and i've done it with people as well but normally what happens here it, it's a difficult thing to grasp because um, an entity will have like a psychic attachment, a cord, which it is attached to a person. Let's say you've so got, you've got like, like a little spear, spear and like a barbed spear and they hook it into a person. And then they have something like the, you know, the silver cord of astral projection that connects your astral body to your physical body. It's something like that which connects the entity. Now, what happens is, of course, when you get in the shower, expose yourself to a, a strong electrical earth. I mean, using earthing bedding sheets, you can buy products for this now. Uh, it has amazing health benefits too. You can buy a bed sheet, 
which goes over the bottom half of your bed, uh, which has um, copper and silver threads woven into with the fabric. So when you, and this is connected to your power outlet and wired up to the ground outlet only, or you're connected to a metal water pipe or to a stake in the ground outside and various ways you can do it. So sleeping like that is the equivalent of sleeping in the shower. And it will also uh, help to drain that dark fluid out of a person if it's been a long-term type of attack. Hmm. Interesting. Do you find that people start to, because I'm kind of nocturnal and I like to be awake at night. Uh, do you find that people kind of drift into being, I mean, you, in your book, you talk about how most attacks happen at night and you've rarely yeah. seen an attack that occurs while the sun is, is up. So and why do you why do you think nighttime and the shadows have such an influence on these negative beings? Well, the reason for that is, I mean, I could tell you one thing. There is a completely different set of magical laws in operation uh, at night, from sundown to sunset. One completely different set of magical rules applies, and in the daytime, from sun up to sundown, another set of rules apply and it's generally the negative type entities are much more powerful at night now negative entities will operate during the daytime but usually inside houses you know uh, cellars and things like that out of the sunlight the sunlight seems to be detrimental to them uh, like it is for you know the vampires in the movies it seems to be very very detrimental to them so they avoid it and they'll often go, you know, go underground, go into a cave or in a, in cellar, a cellar or the darkest room in your house to avoid it. And, of course, they are more active at night. Interesting. Yeah, they've, they've done studies with, you know, they say like artists and people that are kind of dabbling with kind of a darker energy. They're usually night owls or they're, they're up later at night. Do you think they're kind of like playing with that in the, within that sphere? Well, they can do. If you, if, dabbling is always a bad idea. But I don't want to give you the idea that the left-hand path is completely evil. It's like the left-hand path in magic is a valid path. Uh, so is the right-hand path. And, of course, everybody usually ends up on the middle path eventually where you have an understanding of the entities and forces, which is different to how we've been programmed in the modern world. I mean, a lot of demons out there, the particularly the higher ones, uh, they're not what you think they are. In fact, they used to be called gods hundreds and hundreds of years ago in various, you know, groups, from, you know, um, that around the world. And angels, of course, we also know very, very little about them as well. As well. And these entities normally keep to themselves. Magically, you can, you know, um, have some contact with them, but you need to do the training and that and get an understanding of what you're doing before you get into that. But just dabbling, any kind of dabbling, is always dangerous. Have you got any insight into what those spirits or entities want to do within this dimensional realm? Or why they have... What are they doing doing in this space, basically? Well, there's a lot of different types. I mean, you can compare the greater reality, which is what we're talking about, the unseen uh, world, which uh, permeates yeah, yeah, over overshadows our world. Uh, it's like, say, talking about the ocean. You say, you look at the ocean and you say there's, you know, thousands of different creatures and entities in there. 
and some of them are largely harmless. I mean, like crabs, for example, are relatively harmless. If you tread on one, it might nip you. Um, you know, some of the bigger ones might, you know, make you bleed. If you run into a shark, of course, um, if it's a wrong type of shark, it might eat you or bite a leg off. But if it's other types of sharks, of course, a basking shark and that, they're harmless. You know, and, you know, it depends on the situation. Wow. I love that analogy. I'll be honest. I love that analogy of almost playing in that space. Um, you know, like people that are deep sea diving, you know, they got to be aware of certain elements. There's sharks, right? There's, there's anglerfish. There's, there's scarier animals. So it's almost that if you kind of play in that astrorum as above, so below, there are going to be other kind of things that are going to be scarier to deal with. Is that, does that sound fair or? It does, uh, but but in the sense you're talking about there, that what you just said then, as above, so below, that is a part of a, a quote from the Emerald Tablet. Uh, and the Emerald Tablet, which is like the foundation of the hermetic uh, magical beliefs, uh, the, it says, as above, so below, absolute truth, no ambiguity. Now, if you ha if you work like I do, and I frequently work with deceased spirits, and I visit the afterlife, and I've been studying the afterlife for like forty years, and when you start you you start to understand that as above, so below, and most people when they die, for example, don't know they've died, because their world is like unchanged. I mean, for example, if Somebody dropped an atomic bomb on your head right now and mine simultaneously. We're half a world away. We'd both notice this big flash of light and maybe a rumble for a second and say, wow, what was that? And, you know, and then we go on with our conversation. And we both cease to exist, of course, along with many other people, vaporized. But now we would continue talking for a very long time and maybe a couple of weeks would go by. And then at some point we'd say, wow, we've been talking for a long time and let's go get a cup of coffee. And we would stand up and I would appear from behind your monitor and you would appear from behind mine. Now we could find ourselves in my house or your house or a mixture of the two and we'd go and make a coffee and maybe we'd get a couple of bagels. And we're sitting there drinking our coffee and eating our bagels. But the interesting thing here is you could drink down half your coffee, but glance away, glance back, your coffee cup's full again. You take a big bite out of your bagel, glance away, and come, you know, look back again, it's, it's whole again. It, you know, it keeps repairing itself. It's an anomaly. Now, this is the afterlife. There's free coffee and bagels. How bad can it be? <laughs> interesting, interesting. So, <laughs> the mystic joke there, sorry. <laughs> Mr. Bruce, do you think do you think that these negative entities beings they feed off of our emotions? Like do they feed off of our fear and the anxiety that we feel after an attack is occurring? All of the above. Uh, the human energy body and the human being uh, produces uh, lots of different types of energy. You have emotional energy, you have sexual energy, and you have raw vitality. And all of those things are, you know, they're the coin of the realm for different entities. The incubus succubus type entity, for example, feeds mainly on sexual energy. Um, 
and they can be a, a very big problem. I have some people, people I'm helping help with issues that they've had uh, a, a condition going on for a couple of years and, and they're applying all of my countermeasures as they can and lots of other countermeasures. Some of these entities are really intractable, very, very difficult to shift. And the problem comes because as we're talking about the electrical earthing and that, there are different stages of attachment in a psychic attack. Now, the stage one attack means that an entity is a couple of feet out from you. It's attached to your energy body at that point. Uh, now, when it moves further in, it will start to infiltrate your mind and your chakras. And when it gets its hooks in and integrates your into your chakras, it moves like inside of your physical body. And this shields you from electrical earthing and light and other things which are detrimental to negative entities. And that's why they do it, because then they can stay in there. And this is why uh, when you come under an attack, it's a really good idea to uh, take action very, very quickly, because give it a week or two and these things can become a lot more entrenched. I mean, something which is uh, a minor problem um, can become a major life-threatening, lifelong problem if you don't take the right action towards it. Do I'll give you an example. Sorry. Um, a young lady, a uh, gorgeous young lady, um, a couple of years ago uh, came down and I'd gotten to know her and she was out working, uh, temping in uh, a mental hospital, um, you know, about 20 miles from here. And she worked there a couple of days and in the morning she, she felt this real nasty psychic attack and mind was getting polluted weird thoughts and weird sensations in the body weird fluttering and tinglings and like feelings like hands touching her and she was a uh, very distressed now she knew enough from talking to me uh, in a lunch break she went down to the ocean now she went to the ocean and walked into the surf up to her knees and it stopped once she got about 10, 15 feet from the edge of the ocean. And she thought, wow, that's better. And um, she walked along a bit. But when she came out and walked back towards her car, it, uh, it you know, it nothing happened yeah. there, which it can do. It could just, like with the shower, it, it gets off of you and waits for you to come away from the water, and then it gets back on you. In this case, she felt fine. She drove back to her place of work. But about an hour after getting back to the same building, the same thing happened again. And she had to leave early, and she went, went to the beach again, tried the same thing again, but it didn't work. This time, um, she went to the water, and it released uh, from her she felt fine but went back to her car and as soon as she stepped out of the water 15 feet away it nailed her again wow. and she did that a few times and then knew she was in serious trouble so she came uh, down to my place un you know unannounced she turned up about 7 p.m and uh, when a person has a problem like this i will usually experiment in some way uh shape or form as well as helping the person because i um this is you have to take advantage of field situations to to learn more about what's happening. So I did a couple of experiments which were very very interesting with her over about twenty minutes. You know she was hanging in there, and I knew I could get rid of it because it's recent. And then I took her outside my door. I've got this like forty feet of messy old garden hose um, coiled in just the right way so that the first hose coming from the tap is on the outside. outside 
and I put it over that like I did with my son, turned the hose on and hosed the feet down and then I did some banishments for good measure. And five, five minutes, minutes there, there and she, she said, said, I'm fine. I made her stay there another five minutes um, with a cup of tea and just to make sure, but it was gone, completely demanifested. Now, if I hadn't have taken the action on that day, Nick, she would have had enormous problems sleeping. Give it a few days of sleep deprivation and this thing, attempting to infiltrate your mind, uh, planting core images in you and infiltrating your chakra system. It would have been really difficult to get out of her. And that the host method then may not have worked so quickly. Hmm. Very interesting. So, Mr. Bruce, have you heard of uh, Arthur E. Powell? He wrote some books on the astral body, and this was a long time ago, like 1927-ish. I have, yes, I have. I think I've read them. He talks about how, this is from his book, he says, in addition to the direct coarsening of the physical and astral bodies, meat, tobacco, and alcohol are open also to the serious objection as they tend to attract undesirable astral entities which take pleasure in the scent of blood and spirits. They surge around the person, impressing their thoughts upon him. Do you agree with the statement? Do you do you feel like... Uh, Yes and no. Yes and no. Now, uh, if you're talking about modern man-made tobacco, which has a huge amounts of very, very, very nasty chemicals in it, uh, that is a very, very negative thing. It's like, uh, you know, it's like the uh, old man's room I told you about earlier. That attracts. Uh, that makes a person that's smoking more attractive to an entity because you've got this aura around. Now, some entities are attracted to. It would be a small percentage would be attracted to that. You may have ex-human ghosts that were smokers in their lifetime and they would particularly be the type of entity uh, that would be attracted to somebody smoking because then they could inhabit the person and vicariously enjoy smoking cigarettes and that and tobacco. Um, But tobacco itself is quite a clean thing. If you get wild native tobacco it's much much cleaner no chemicals in there and the uh, first nations uh, um, american indians they use this and other cultures as well use uh tobacco for their spiritual ceremonies and they uh... use it uh particularly as an offering to spirits you know they offer some tobacco as like a little sacrifice what about Uh, alcohol yeah, alcohol is the same sort of thing um, in a sense that you will, it's quite commonly well known that if you are drinking a lot and getting drunk, uh, you, if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time and you get really drunk, your natural defenses have dropped and you will find you exposed to, if there are any ex-human or maybe even other non-human entities that have been attached to human alcoholics, and maybe the alcoholic they're attached to has died and they're looking for a new home with the same conditions. And often these entities forget who they are and they think they are the person they were inhabiting for 40, 50 years. And they seem to get a bit confused, but they're attracted to the same conditions. And uh, the, yeah, and they will try and find people who are drunk because your defenses come down. But it's more complicated than just alcohol 
and attract spirits or tobacco attract spirits. You could say the same thing. Coffee attracts spirits. Is I mean, like where does it end? Cannabis, perhaps? You make some observations and have a bit of a think about it and you'll own, you will find your own personal biases will start uh, appearing in the book you're writing if you're not careful. What about what about eating meat? Do you do you dissuade that activity? Do you find vegetarians are less prone to psychic attack than carnivores? Not really. Uh, I really find there's really really not much of a difference there. Uh, people that eat meat, you know, the normal type diet, uh, you know, where you have barbecues and steaks and salads and things, you know, normal diet. Uh, they don't appear to fare any differently than people who are vegetarian or even organic vegans. You know, I've known organic vegans, long-term organic vegans, live a very clean life that have, you know, had serious entity problems. Uh, it's not all about the, you could say, the cleanliness of the physical body, although that is a factor with many types of entities. So being like a, a very clean vegan type person there will protect you against some types of entities, but not against others. Others are not, you know, it doesn't affect them. They want other things. A sexual type incubus uh, uh, type entity or incubus succubus type entity, there's actually the same entity, but they have like a, a preference, either male or female partners. And, uh, you know, whether you eat meat or not, you know, it's not going to make any difference to uh, that type of entity. Is there anything with, with cannabis that we should know about or any kind of other kind of plant or hallucinogens? Well, it's, any the same, kind of it's the same thing uh, with cannabis. I mean, if you have, and I know people that smoke it, uh, I've worked with people that have come under attacks uh, when they've been smoking, but of course a lot of people come under, under attacks without it. And it can be a factor in some cases, like if you drink too much or you smoke too much, you can affect your natural psychic shielding because your mind goes sort of numb it's not working properly and your natural shielding can uh, fall to a certain extent with alcohol or with any kind of a drug whether you're taking heroin cocaine or whatever anything that interferes with the mind and who you are and how you function uh, can interfere with your natural shielding and you find all drug users particularly if they become an actual user uh, where they're like daily taking some kind of uh, uh, addictive type drug, again, they would be prone to attracting um, spirits that have lived with addicts and the addict they've been with has died, so they're looking for a new home. And that's quite common. And it will, this, these types of entities will hang around areas that they used to hang around when they were physically alive. Now, it could be the ghost. They call them hungry ghosts. Uh, an addicted ghost can wander around, has no spirit entity with it, but it becomes one until it finds somebody that has the same sort of habit so the entity can get its fix. So it moves into a human body and then experiences the drug fixes through that human being because it's sharing everything the human's doing. Hmm. Interesting. So we talk, we've been talking a lot about these negative entities have you encountered any positive entities that are kind well, of yes. helping us i don't i hope i don't give the impression and i've been 
This has been mentioned many times over the years. Why are you focusing so much on negative entities and demons and that? You know, what's with that? And it's, well, negative entities and demons are a problem, a very clear and present problem which is plaguing humanity. Now, positive spirits, good spirits, spirit masters, angels and that, they're not a problem. You don't need to write books about how to get rid of angels and things like that. <laughs> I mean, you see what I mean? But people are ruined and even die through, you know, demonic attacks. And, you know, their lives are uh, seriously damaged. So that's where the effort has gone to. But I've encountered many angels uh, and they look like angels. And I've encountered spirit masters and other different types of good spirits that have been very, very helpful, very knowledgeable. Uh, and they actually helped me. I'm actually, uh, I have a, I was introduced uh, several months ago to an angel, Ariel, who is actually, the, the name Ariel, if you look it up, is uh, actually considered by many to be an archangel, and it kind of specializes in exorcism and things like that. And um, it's, yeah, I haven't had any, like, direct uh, conversations yet, but it's, uh, Nice to know that, uh, so I was introduced by some other spirits during an astral projection. And uh, so I've got my fingers crossed with that one because I could definitely use some uh, some help in what I do. Hmm. Is that analogous to like the holy guardian angel in the Crowleyan kind of viewpoint? Or have you explored that kind of space, the kind of thelemic? Yeah, I have. Now, it, it is said that every human being has a holy guardian angel and in truth if you have a holy guardian angel you probably have a demonic guardian angel as well because everything is in balance in this universe now um talking about that is mainly theoretical uh, and it gets complicated and convoluted and religion gets involved in that uh, my higher self uh, that i operate with um just like your higher selves is your higher self is uh, can also be called God or source or anything else you want to call it. Uh, it does not care what you call it or what name you give it. It really doesn't. Now your higher self is uh, like a gradient. It is in mesh within every cell in your body. This is a very, very high level of like divine being, which is a part of you. And of course, when you understand that, uh, it becomes obvious that your closest approach to the divine is through your own life, your own mind, and your own body. Uh, and this is the approach, the going within particularly, to get to know your higher self. Now, this being is enmeshed in every cell of your body. It, you share the same mind with this being. It is so close to you, it's like oxygen in the air we breathe. It's so close to you, you can't see it. And it shares everything you do. And it's completely, utterly non-judgmental. Uh, but if you start working with this, once you come to the intellectual understanding of what this is, then you begin what I call the inner dialogue, where you start basically talking to yourself. But it's a, a bit like praying or doing affirmations. You start a dialogue. You start talking to this great being that is inside of you. And... Over a period of time of working with that, you find you will start to get results with that connection. Now, this connection is what 
saves my bacon when I get into a situation with <laughs> uh, nasty, you know, powerful demonic entities and things like that. And I've, I've encountered some over the years, which I'm thinking, well, I am so dead. <laughs> it's like, and then you get this great hand comes down, almost analogy, and the problem stops. My higher self, like, manifests through me. And then the problem stops instantly. Because when it comes to this sort of thing, your higher self holds all the keys. It has all the power. It has the power of God, you could say, divine power. So and getting rid of an entity is nothing. But somewhere in the equation of life, uh, what we do, we have free will and we're allowed to experience everything in this universe. And that includes uh, coming into contact with uh, spirit, various types of spirit beings. Hmm. That is so fascinating that you're having these direct interactions with these kind of these entities. Like, are you actually physically seeing these these demonic entities during these events? I have done, yeah. Well, the higher demons, not the lower ones, but the higher demons, just like the higher angels, are capable of taking physical form in this world. And they do, often, they often do. I've seen this. I have one experience with that with an angel in company. Um, several years ago, we were doing, uh, I got together with a group of friends in uh, in UK, and we did something they called the Medium's Night. They got a, a few um, local mediums and that, and, you know, there was a charity involved, the uh, air ambulance, I think, and we were going around to these the most haunted pubs in England, and we were giving, like, talks there, and the mediums would give demonstrations, give people readings, walking around with TV cameras going. And uh, the last one we did was we went to a place, I think it was called the Old Cock Inn or something, um, and it was... So, you know, it was listed as the most haunted pub in England. It goes back to the time of Cromwell, you know, a thousand years or something ago. And uh, there was a really, really nasty uh, spirit there. And this was a dark spirit that may have been uh, human at one point, but it definitely wasn't by the time we got there. And it liked to rape and strangle young women. That was its thing. And now, now I was there taking part of that as security, because if anything went wrong, it was my job to help people. And we had like a dozen or so people, that, all young women, uh, that collapsed while the you know in these these places had a few hundred people sometimes, and they would collapse. And I'd introduce myself before over the microphone, and they'd often come up to me, or somebody would carry them up to me, and I'd take them outside. I've got a big pile of garden hose there. I've got spray guns with holy water and holy oil and stuff. I'm loaded for bear, <laughs> and uh, you know, of course, five minutes I fix the person up. They feel okay and they go back in, but they usually leave. You know, which is probably a good idea. But uh, after this, it was coming to a close at the last place. Um, I was standing out the uh, the front with uh, the producer and the a cameraman, and we were talking out there, and uh, they were having a smoke. So when I was talking to them, and the cameraman said, he said, "Did you did you notice?" He said that every time you have one of these girls get into trouble. He said, there's this woman, this middle-aged woman in a, a, you know, a blue skirt and jacket, sort of a, a blue suit, pale blue. He said, standing nearby, and she's always smiling at me and watching this thing, but just not doing anything, just there. 
And uh, anyway, we looked across to the old cock, and we're probably about 30 yards, 40 yards away from the main brick wall, and there's no door there. There's a gate one end and a gate the other end about 40 yards away. And as we are talking about that, we look back to it, and this woman in the pale blue suit came out of one door, and she walked across to the middle of the brick wall, away from the gates, and she turned around, looked at us, leaned against the wall, smiled, and vanished. Huh. To the screams of the cameraman saying, why wasn't my camera running? Why? Why? <laughs> and, uh, but I had a couple of experiences like that over the years uh, with angelic beings in good spirits. I mean, I think spirit masters could probably do a similar sort of thing. 